Welcome, podcasters. This is Jay Mozaria and Mando Dillon of The Shake. Early January, we had the opportunity to interview John Kamen, the Chief Revenue Officer of Lyft & Co. In this episode, we'll discuss all things Lyft & Co., their new data platform, Cohesion, partnership with Enlighten, as well as gain a better understanding on consumer insights. We'll chat about revenue streams, cohesion segmentation, powered by Nielsen, and learn more about Lyft & Co. adding Adobe Advertising to its Cannabis Consumer Insight platform. Last but not least, John will touch on Cancel, the partnership with MAD, as well as the future of Lyft & Co. It's a session you'll remember with John Kamen, Chief Revenue Officer of Lyft & Co. John, thanks for joining us today on The Shake. We truly appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to record an episode with myself and Mando. How are you and where are you joining us from today? Uh, so I'm standing in my office in Toronto at the Lift & Co. Global Headquarters. Uh, doing pretty well, thanks. Just back from MJ Biz last week, so still shaking things off a little bit. It was, uh, it was an intense three or four days. Great. Um, can you give us a brief history of your education and industry experience prior to pivoting into the cannabis industry? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Toronto guy, uh, did my MBA at U of T, uh, spent some time in strategy consulting at Bain. I was at uh, uh, digital publishers, uh, basically doing strategy and running business units for about 10 years, uh, Auto Trader and Torstar, and then uh, took over a small business, which uh, we pivoted into a from a consumer media platform into a data business. Um, uh, which I sold last year, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, got to know Matei, our CEO, uh, just you know, conversationally over the last couple of years. And then uh, when this position opened up uh, early in 2018, thought it was a good time to uh, to make the move. So I joined up here at the beginning of March 2019, and uh, it's been it's been quite a ride. So my entire cannabis experience is at Lyft here for about a year now. Perfect. Now, can you uh, tell us about your current role with Lyft & Co.? And for our listeners that may not know, can you outline some of the day-to-day responsibilities of a CRO? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, so Chief Revenue Officer um, is exactly that, although I think in a, in a small company, um, you know, kind of startup mentality, uh, you end up wearing a whole bunch of different hats. Uh, so various points of the day, I might be, you know, sort of, uh, you know, leading operations, making sure that um, cross-functional areas are working well together, sales, marketing, legal, product, everybody's sort of integrated, understanding why everybody's doing, you know, what they're doing, how all the pieces sort of fit together, who's got ownership over specific projects at any given time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the revenue number uh, is my responsibility. So we just make sure that, uh, you know, that established uh, parts of our business, like our well-known uh, Lyft Expos in Toronto and Vancouver, uh, are being well-attended or growing, that we're, that we're supporting those, those assets and, and helping to foster them to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And then alternatively, you know, launching out and starting to, to, to plan for what does this business, you know, look like in three years? Um, what are some of the nascent revenue streams that we're bringing to the table? How do we make sure that we can quantify what the value story is for our clients so that, you know, they're interested and they're going to get, um, you know, uh, they're going to buy their way into a product that gives a lot of sustained value uh, for them so they want to continue to work with us for, uh, for years. Perfect. So we want to ask why the cannabis industry? What sparked your interest to join the push of the cannabis industry forward in Canada? Yeah, I think, um, well, you know, he, he asked me, so that was a good, <laughs> that's a good reason why. Um, yeah, I think at the time, uh, I did have a couple of other things that I was, that I was considering between uh, when I took the role. And I think that, you know, this, this industry is in 
such early days, you know, for those of us who are in the space, it feels like, you know, one year is kind of like dog years, you know, it's worth sort of five years of experience. And to a degree, that's true. But when you take a step back and you think about all of the things that really haven't been established here yet, whether it's the market, uh, the retail environment, mm-hmm. production, new product lines, um, you know, marketing within a fairly highly regulated uh, starting point uh, into the industry. And then you sort of fast forward and think about what will the industry likely look like five to 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. It's still such early days. Um, I think that's really interesting. It's very attractive for, for people who, you know, want to be able to sort of chart their path and and not feel like, you know, no, no disrespect to anybody kind of working in, you know, a bank or something that's much more established and mature, but you got so much more flexibility here to, to chart your own path. I think that's very interesting. Now, can you give us a high-level summary of Lift & Co.? Yeah, so I think, you know, I, I talk about it like the early dot-com boom, like late 90s. Uh, there was Back then, there was a lot of businesses, um, startups that just had very, it, it was almost like a conglomerate of revenue streams. There's a whole bunch of different things that we do under the hood. Um, and I think the thinking back then, the strategy was, we don't know how this is all going to go, right? We don't know how this industry is going to develop. It's all brand new. So we're going to try a bunch of different things to see what sticks and then sort of move forward with the one that, that actually gets you know customers to respond favorably. I think Lyft is not dissimilar. I think that you know there's been an underlying thesis that this ultimately will become a data business. Um, and it was really sort of about trying to pull together data assets right from day one, since long before I got here. But I think quite reasonably we've got you know, revenue streams that we built out for a whole bunch of different things, right? We, we support these events, which, you know, took off and became sort of preeminent events in the country. Um, we've got a trademarking platform in conjunction with Mad Canada uh, called Cancel, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, we, we might be the single provider, the single source provider for butt tender training uh, in a number of jurisdictions and then, you know, and then also for a bunch of retailers uh, across the country. Mm-hmm. We've got our media properties, so you know, trying to help uh, drive consumer brand awareness for for the LPs through through Lyft.co primarily, and now uh, increasingly we're starting to focus on the data platform that we launched in September. It's called Cohesion. There's a number of interesting insights products there uh, for the industry. So these are all around consumer insights, trying to understand who is making a purchase, why did they make that purchase, how do I get them to come back. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, we, you look under the hood, Lyft is a whole bunch of disparate revenue streams, you know, each sort of being supported separately. Um, ultimately, they are all starting to fold together under cohesion. So I think, you know, the prognosis for this business looking out two to three years is that this is this is largely a data business. Um, and that's, uh, that's probably sort of the end point. Thanks. Would you mind discussing consumer insights a bit more for our listeners, as well as if the expos add value to the data collected? Yeah. Yeah, so I think consumer insights we generally take uh, not so much from the business conference or, or, or expos. We typically take them from um, uh, from our registered user base. So, so you know, cohesion is really built around our ability to attract a meaningful sample of cannabis consumers from across the country. And we will sometimes send out a survey to them so we get sort of direct response answers to some of the questions we've got and sometimes build out uh, profiles based on their engagement with Lyft.co and with some of our other assets. Uh, that we can turn into, you know, an understanding of how people are likely to, you know, how they're likely to buy, how they're likely to engage with the industry. Um, so it's really more from sort of digital signals uh, and digital interactions with our users. The expos we find are, the, the expos are really more about uh, just helping uh, brands bring a, a much more visceral experience to, to the consumer. 
Um, so it's letting them sort of, you know, get on their perch and talk about what, you know, how great, you know, how great their product is and how unique their story is. Uh, but we don't typically uh, see a lot of data uh, that we that we integrate out of the expos. Okay, that makes sense. Now, Lyft & Co. hosts a first-of-its-kind product discovery tool, which maps thousands of crowdsourced reviews to personalized product recommendations. Cannabis consumers and would-be consumers can read reviews, enjoy expert commentary through your online publication, Lyft & Co. magazine. So how does this ecosystem of cannabis marketing and analytics platform create competitive advantages for brands and retailers to capture their consumers, bun tenders, and data insights? Yeah, great question. So I think... If you look at the, the, the digital elements of our business, so, you know, on Lyft.co, where we've got the magazine content, we've got reviews, uh, the recommendation tool, all the things you sort of referenced. Think about it this way, you know, if you're, if you're interested, if you're intending to purchase ca- cannabis, you're, you're an interested party or you're a regular consumer. We've, we've got this, you know, we've got a series of sources of utility for you, so sources of information where you can inter- interact with the community, you can pass through your knowledge, uh, you can learn about products so that, you know, when you're walking in to make a purchase at a retail environment, you know, you're actually prepared uh, with, you know, your, with knowledge at your side. You know, here's, here's a product that's available. Here's what I think would be good for me. Uh, here's what people have been saying about it. So all of that um, is really the manner in which we, we bring consumers to the table. And we watch them, right? We watch how they interact with each other. They, we reflect on, you know, some of the, some of the insights that they're sharing with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reviews they're submitting, we allow them to upload purchase receipts. We can actually see, you know, with, with the right incentive, of course, this is what I've been buying, right? This, this is what I've actually tried and, you know, whether they liked it or not. So we've created all of these, what, what you know, in the industry we would call sort of mouse traps uh, to collect data. Mm-hmm. And we make sure that our consumers are, are adequately incentivized and that they, they feel comfortable you know, knowing that we're we're actually taking that information and aggregating it all up so that we get a picture of the market. Perfect. And uh, we also noticed that you guys incentivize uh, or add an incentivized reward program. Do you believe that this is the main driving force behind the high review rate, constant contribution, and year-to-year continued growth in community and usage of this platform? Yeah, another good question. So I, I think it's a combination of a couple of different things. I think that um, we've got a few different types of users. If we look at you know the, the different types of consumers who come to the platform, how they profile, what they're all about, what they're interested in doing on the platform. Uh, we definitely have some who are really interested in incentives, and we put forth you know a great contest with a chance to win a trip to California or whatever. Uh, we've got a whole series of those coming out in 2020. Um, you know those people they give us great information. You know we 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 profile them. We make sure that the data is is clean when we when we've taken it back in. Uh, so that they're not just sort of gaming the system, but you know we know incentives work, and you know people need to know that, you know they're they're if they're giving us something, they're getting something in return. So definitely that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. I think we've got a whole other group of consumers uh, who have probably been with us for a very long time in some cases, and they really believe in their product knowledge, in the growth of the industry, uh, in sharing their experiences with with other people. So it, it comes from sort of a, a much more, I'll say, benevolent uh, sort of sort of root. Um, they actually want to share uh, all of their knowledge with, with uh, unintended budding consumers uh, so that people know what, what they should be uh, purchasing and, and, and what questions they should be asking. Now, with the constant growth within the industry and an ever-evolving landscape of rules and regulations, how do you approach creating an action plan each year? Yeah, I think, you know, my, <laughs> we, we've actually, it's a live conversation we've been having here. You know, typically, you know, businesses I've worked in in, in the past 
um, more mature industries, you might do a three-year plan, right? And then you've got sort of tactical initiatives you execute on. Well, you revisit over sort of a rolling six-month period, 12-month period, but the plan really sort of sticks over a three-year period. In this industry, even for the producers, uh, I think that that is unlikely. And I think, you know, when you start looking at sort of tech and ancillary services like, like the business that we're in, um, it's almost impossible at this point. With the amount of change, whether it's markets opening up, new competitors emerging, regulations changing, um, you know, your customers, um, you know, sometimes going through their own challenges for financing and whatnot, there's so much change going on on, a, on literally a day-to-day, week-to-week basis that building out a three-year plan in this industry is, is at least for us, it's utterly pointless. Uh, we've got visions as to, you know, the aspirations of where we want to go in sort of general direction, but trying to be too finite about the plans uh, for that sort of time horizon. Um, you just know you're making so many assumptions about things that are not knowable that you won't end up nearly in the same place three years from now as to where you're, you're planning. So for us, it's really sort of a, it's, it's a 12-month cycle, I think is the best way to describe it. I think, again, generally, we, we know where we want to get to. So, so aspirationally, we, we sort of keep people focused in the right direction. But as to what we're going to build out, I mean, six to 12 months is about as much visibility in, in tech in general as you're ever going to get. Perfect. We were going to ask about the how many years it takes for the next, even for the last three years, but we assume with the regulations now and the landscape, it's probably similar to what you were saying, a year-by-year year basis. Now, if we take a look at Lift & Co.'s company timeline, 2014 to 2018, the brand established itself as a trusted connector. Fast forward to 2018, it becomes apparent the shift starts with Lift & Co. expanding to collect transactional data as well as recreational product reviews. As we look at the timeline, it's 2019 now, and Lift & Co. has shifted to a full data insights company. Why was this trajectory taken? Uh, so Data Insights is is a great business, and, and you know how we landed on it, quite honestly, was uh, um, the reality of facts on the ground. Um, so we collect information from customers that, you know, I think typically for, for a digital publisher like ourselves, it gets referred to as data exhaust, um, meaning my core business is selling media on my properties and getting more traffic to come in to view those ads. Mm-hmm. You know, as a small publisher, it's very difficult. You really have to scale up, you know, 50 times, 100 times, um, you know, the size of, uh, of our publisher site to be able to make any meaningful money off of media. And I just don't think that's, that's likely to happen. But the collection of data that we've been taking in from our users, you know, we're growing our registration base every month. They're, they're uploading receipts. They're giving us reviews. They're giving us the, the really high-quality first-party data that's so meaningful to the industry if you wanted to actually help um, you know, participants understand the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just weren't really leveraging them before. It was always sort of, yeah, we'll get to that next year a little bit. Um, the, uh, you know, from a, from an investor perspective, um, media, uh, some of the other business units that we're in, they're really only as attractive as your ability to scale them out. And I mean, outside of Canada. Mm-hmm. And I think those, each one of those business units is, is challenged to scale outside of Canada in a meaningful way, whether it's government relationships that are hard to replicate, whether it's, you know, events where, you know, we've got these amazing events in, in Canada. We do a great job with them. They're really well attended. They, you know, they generate a, a ton of opportunities in the industry. But, you know, if you're going to try and build one out in Chicago where there's already two other events competing for sort of first mover advantage, no guarantee that's going to be successful. It's, 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 a tough, it's a tough approach to trying to build uh, shareholder value. Uh, from scratch. So our perspective has been, look, you know, the the data assets that we've been collecting, uh, they're at scale, it's high quality, 
Uh, we know how to productize this. We know that there's market opportunity. And maybe most importantly, we know how we can replicate that build out in other markets. So we could take this to the U.S. Uh, with, you know, with some ramp up time and actually start to build this out in, in other markets. So, you know, from, from an investor perspective, from a long-term uh, business perspective, I think it's the right fit between the assets we've got and, and, and building that long-term value. Perfect. Uh, Lyft & Co. consistently aligns itself with technologies that help push the industry forward. New channels of marketing are consistently being created with technology acting as a backbone in the ever-changing landscape of interactions. One of these new channels for marketing is voice. Think Alexa, which is provided with frequency of touch and constant reminders. That interaction with the customer provides a form of value for many companies. Now, the reason we mentioned this is because Lyft & Co. announced a new cannabis segmentation solution. It's called Cohesion Segmentation, powered by Nielsen, and it's an industry-first cannabis consumer profiling and segmentation tool. At a high level, what is cohesion segmentation? Think about it this way. You know, if I, if I think about what, a, uh, what I might be buying from, like, a POS data provider, I'm getting rich, rich details on what is selling in the market, right? Because I don't have visibility as a producer on retail. So, you know, that BDS uh, would come back to me and say, here are the SKUs that are selling in this store at this hour of the day, you know, at this price point. Uh, so I've got really rich retail information. But what I don't have is who bought it? Why did they buy it? Are they likely to buy it again? Uh, what choices did they have in front of them where they ultimately selected this one? I don't have any consumer insights um, as a result of that data set. And consumer insights is the big gap in the market today. Um, there's a number of different ways you can try to get at that question, but it's very labor-intensive. It's very difficult to do that. Um, what cohesion segmentation is basically designed to do is to say, because we're Lyft.com, we've got hundreds of thousands of users coming through every month, and they're providing us all this great first-party data, um, I can actually build out a really meaningful understanding across Canada of different types of consumer segments. Um, so, you know, at a very high level, we did uh, a study with Ernst Young this year where we went out and we surveyed Canadian cannabis tenders and found that there were sort of six general segments in terms of purchase interest, right? I'm already buying every day. I buy a couple times a week. I buy, you know, once a month or I haven't bought yet. I'm considering it. What consumer segmentation will allow you to do um, is build out your own micro segmentation study. So you can actually say, you know what, I'm interested in people who haven't purchased cannabis yet, are interested in doing so, and by the way, are basketball fans who live in this market, um, who like these bands and shop these brands, and they're in market for a Chevrolet. I mean, there's literally thousands of variables that you can actually start to play with. So as a, as a savvy marketer, you're actually able to build out your own consumer segments in whichever way you want, and then, maybe the best part of the story, is that we allow you to digitally activate those segments. So you can actually start to run targeted ads against those micro-segments and see how they respond. Ultimately, you roll all of that insight back into your omni-channel marketing strategy, and that is the most powerful segmentation tool that any, that any of the folks in this industry are, are likely to have access to anytime in the near future. Perfect. Now, the Cohesion DAS platform uses Lyft & Co. ecosystem to track consumers across their entire purchase path and generates insights via, as you mentioned, six verticals. Uh, we were just wondering how the different channels or verticals were chosen to ensure that all the data extrapolated would support the ecosystem that you guys have put together. Okay, yeah, so I think at a, at a high level, without, without referencing specific verticals, we've got, um, I think the best way to think about it, we've got sources of data. 
Some exist today. Some are likely to come on stream. Um, and those sources of data might be the consumer providing us with, you know, the first party data we were talking about before, their registration and their interactivity on the site and whatnot. Uh, we've got third-party data, which is data that we source from other partners, Nielsen obviously being one of them, um, which we can now connect to those users and say, okay, well, this is all the other things we get to know about those about those people. Um, and, of course, it's all anonymized. And there are future intake devices. Uh, in January, we're going to roll out our, our mobile app for the first time. Uh, it's sort of a, a phase one, uh, so it'll be launched at our Vancouver Expo. Uh, phase two, which really be sort of the fulsome consumer experience, will follow a little bit later in the year. And there, the idea is again, it's it's data collection, right? You know, when a user is is willing to share with us that they've been to a store, these are the brands that they were shopping against, uh, this is the purchase that they ultimately made. It's 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 really useful for marketers to really understand sort of end to end, you know, what the consumer behavior is and how to start to segment them. Um, so I, I think there is there is a plan as to which types of data we want to collect and how best to do that. Sometimes we build it out internally, sometimes it's through partners. The VP of Nielsen Media Canada was quoted as saying, cannabis brands are mostly flying blind with respect to consumer marketing, building brand loyalty, and connecting with target consumers. How will the cohesion segmentation tool help Lyft & Co. continue to build, elevate, and create brand identity as well as express the core values of the company? Yeah, it's a, so what segmentation does is to address exactly that quote. Um, I do believe that they are flying blind. Flying blind. I think that there is very limited um, aware, uh, availability of, of data that would tell you, you know, how to segment consumers, what 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 interests them, what drives them to purchase, and what segmentation will allow you to do. Again, being able to test your own custom segments against real Canadian audiences. Um, let's say, for argument's sake, your LP you know, LPA, and LPA has a brand that, that, you know, they ultimately want to put in front of this target segment. So what I can do is say, okay, let's, let's take that targeting that you've, that you've established internally. We're going to rebuild that into our digital uh, segmentation tool, and it yields, you know, 500,000 users. And now I'm going to take several different pieces of creative targeted specifically for those users, run it out and see what actually works. So from a, from a segment point of view, you can get very specific as to which consumers you want to interact with. Mm-hmm. And from a test and learn perspective, you can get very specific by saying, for that little group of consumers, here's what I think they're going to be attracted to, and here's what ultimately happened. If they were interested in this approach, they were not interested in that approach. So you can really refine how you bring that brand to market because you're doing it in a very specific way. You're targeting only the consumers that you really want to focus on uh, and in a way that they're, that they're responding to. Amazing. Now, just to continue, we know Lyft & Co. provides information through product reviews, which creates an opportunity for B2C marketing. It's powered by, as we discussed, Cohesion to provide producers and retailers insight into their brand trends and consumer behavior. We want to know, how does Lyft & Co. monetize this model? Yeah, so the, the, the reviews and receipts uh, that we collect, we do, we do monetize that information. The, the, that data is not tied to, a, to an individual. Uh, it's not tied to a user, but we do get a, a perspective at a high level of, you know, how products are performing in market, um, what purchases are being made at retail, and then ultimately sort of basket analysis and some of the some of the deeper uh, retail uh, data analysis that, that you conduct. We do sell those on a subscription basis uh, as part of Cohesion. Cohesion is our data platform, and there are several products uh, that you can purchase through Cohesion, one of which is a you know, sort of an analysis of all the reviews that we're collecting and another is of all the receipts we're collecting. 
Now another platform we want to discuss is Cancel, which is a leading digital content platform for bud tenders serving Canadians across eight jurisdictions. Cancel is protected as exclusive bud tender certification in Ontario through an exclusive regulator granted mandate. On December 03, Lyft & Co. released the details of that partnership with Mad Canada and announced the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario has approved a new module as a part of Cancel Retail Certification. Would you mind discussing the Cancel partnership a bit more for our listeners, as well as the value that it will provide for current and future partnerships? Yeah, so I think retail is an interesting one for, for Lyft. Um, we view retailers as partners, uh, but not profit centers. Um, they, they, you know, they are, uh, at times, our customer. Uh, as they would be for some of the cancel product that we bring to the table. Uh, but we're really looking to build long-term partnerships with retailers so that we can you know, establish our brand as being useful to a consumer when they're at the point of purchase, but still observing the retailer's interest in you know, creating a, a um, curated experience um, for, for their consumer. So we're looking at all sorts of different ways where we might be able to work with the retailer, I think, you know, to a certain degree, some of it is data collection and some of it is really about brand and, and just making us a, a viable um, uh, source of information uh, when, when a consumer is in front of them. Um, so with respect to Cancel, I think, you know, we've made a commitment uh, to, again, governments across the country, to Mad Canada, uh, to our retail partners, to invest in a Cancel, um, to, you know, make sure that the training that, that needs to be provided to, to frontline staff, that there were, you know, providing good quality content for them. Um, and I think, you know, this was, this was just another piece of that story where we were approached as the, you know, AGCO official partner on Cancel, mm-hmm. you know, to create some new, uh, some new training materials for the frontline staff uh, in advance of edibles or just as edibles are coming to market. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's a partnership that has proved very valuable for all parties. Uh, definitely for us, you know, when we go out and speak to LPs or, uh, or or retail partners and we say, you know, like, you know, the government of Ontario, several other jurisdictions, Matt Canada, they're all very supportive of what we're doing. This is, you know, objectively a good thing uh, for the industry. It definitely helps us um, have other conversations. Uh, it just sort of gives us credibility, which is fantastic. And, you know, quite honestly, I think we've got some really engaged people in the building here who, you know, who are who are really focused on building good quality content. Um, like it's, it's kind of their personal passion. Um, and they've got a great sort of uh, repository of, of, uh, of a background to be able to do that. Um, they live, eat, breathe and sleep cancel. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good relationship for all parties. Perfect. Now, on December 4th, Lyft & Co. added Adobe advertising capabilities to its Cannabis Consumer Insights platform, Cohesion. As we discussed yeah. earlier, Cohesion segmentation powered by Nielsen is expected to launch in early 2020, and Adobe Advertising Cloud DSP will become available as part of that tool in early 2020 as well. Now, yeah. we were wondering how Cohesion clients can benefit from this targeted digital advertising capability, otherwise unavailable in the cannabis space. Yeah, okay, so, so what Adobe provides, their, their demand-side platform, which is widely used globally um, by agencies, media buyers, and in some cases the client themselves, uh, the technology that's best described as being the, the, um, the matching tool between an audience, an online audience, and an ad. So if I want to run an ad to this little target segment over here, I'm going to upload the ad, I'm going to select that segment, all within the DSP. Mm-hmm going to marry them up and fire it off into the universe. And, and as the user, you will get to see it wherever you go. Um, so that technology underpins the cohesion segmentation product that we were talking about earlier. So when I was talking a little bit about finding 
um, not just identifying target users, but then running targeted advertising against them uh, so that they you can actually see in real time whether it's performing well. It's that technology that underpins that capability. Perfect. Now, Lifting Call has announced a partnership with Enlighten, a, a leading technology provider in the cannabis industry that will expedite p- development of Lifting Co.'s U.S. product listing site slated for launch in early 2020. Um, we yeah. were wondering if you believe the data insights aggregated by Enlighten will help develop the marketplace of legal U.S. cannabis products on Lifting Co. platforms. Yeah, so Enlighten is, is for exactly that purpose. Um, really good people. We got to meet them face-to-face last week for the first time. Um, and what uh, basically, you know, in phase one of our relationship, they will be funneling all of their U.S. product, uh, legal product data. Uh, they operate in something like 1,200 retail locations across legal jurisdictions in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, of the, all of the data that they're collecting by virtue of supporting menu boards and stuff like that, uh, is being uploaded to to us. Uh, we are populating our website with those products, and then instantly starting to accrue uh, U.S. user traffic as a result of long tail search. So it's kind of piece number one of our of our plan to roll out into the U.S. Uh, is to get a lift.co slash U.S. Uh, environment built out. Over time, having their relationship um, available to us uh, by virtue of their 1,200 relationships in uh, in, in retail in the U.S. Uh, it's going to be helpful when we think about you know launching an app. Um, building our brand and et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's actually a, a more robust relationship than that. But um, but sort of phase one is just taking U.S. product data, putting it on the site, and off we go. Thank you for joining us, John. Um, just one more question, something we pose to all sure. of our guests: um, Is there a piece of technology, a book, or a past experience that has helped to shape who you are today? A uh, piece of technology, a book, or a uh, good question. Without having been prepped for the question, I'll give you the first thing that comes to mind. It's going to be a super unsexy answer. Uh, we leverage uh, technology, um, and I did previously um, in the business that was sold last year, uh, called the Data Management Platform, which is a which can be a pretty revolutionary tool. There's not that many LPs in Canada that are using one. Um, it basically, you think of it as a data, data warehouse for all digital data that you're pulling in. Uh, you can sort of cross-pollinate that data, ingest it into your system's send it back out to the universe's digital advertising. So it really gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of how you want to go to market. And the thing is that you can learn about your user base. It's, uh, it's what cohesion is sort of built around. It's, it's tech that, uh, that we're leveraging pretty extensively um, and can be a game changer. We want to give a huge thank you to John Kamen, Chief Revenue Officer of Lift & Co. for joining The Shake presented by Trio Solution. Please check out Lift & Co.'s website, www.liftandco. We also want to thank our Loyal Shake listeners for taking the time out of their day to listen to our podcast. You can join the discussion or drop us a line at www.treehousesolution.com. Be sure to look out for our next episode when we chat with another industry-leading rep. We hope you enjoyed our session and stay tuned for our next podcast. All content was produced, created, and edited by Jay and Mando of The Shake.